0: in progress. Hello everyone so today I'm going to go over the concept of nihilism from Nietzsche's the Will of power. These are his journals and notebooks, right, little writings and notes that he took uh, in the, from the mid to late 1880s and um, I've heard various things about Nietzsche and nihilism. one, Nietzsche, is a nihilist like for all of his life. Um, secondly, Nietzsche was a nihilist in his early days but then rejected it in later days. Um, yeah, so I've heard of, of both of those. So, my take from reading this, and you see, I'm not super far in it, I'm on, but I'm uh, past the section. Book one is European nihilism. So the first part book is nih- about nihilism and the second book is about Christianity which he also has a complicated sort of relationship with and idea of but my take is that Nietzsche has a nuanced understanding of nihilism there's not just one kind so there's an active kind, and there's a passive kind kind. Of the passive kind of nihilism would be that sort of maybe Schopenhauer nihilism and pessimism, where you just kind of despair that life doesn't have a meaning, and so you give up. So that's the passive side. The active side, which Nietzsche would align with. Uh, to some extent, so I'll go over the second layer of nuance in a minute. Um, it's an act of nihilism that wants to, that has a, still has a hope and a faith to change things or to at least look out for improvement or progress or correction, um, etc. Because he is very critical of... Um, certain things about his society and that leads us into the second layer which is whether nihilism is sustained and permanent uh, and I guess maybe there's three sustained and permanent and or if it is temporary and if it is all-inclusive or if it is selective. So Nietzsche's nihilism would be active, it would be temporary, and it would be selective. So he is an active nihilist who is only feels that, for instance, the virtues, the Christian virtues of his age are void of meaning and should not be upheld as something admirable. So he finds a lack of meaning in what I guess maybe he sees most people finding meaning in. But he does, he is not a nihilist in terms of his own values and ideas which are basically that we should admire virtues of strength, of endurance, of perseverance, of nobility, of um, triumph and victorious, uh, a victorious nature, we should, but we should not be anti-life. We should not, and he finds Christianity actually connected with nihilism as its root, uh, or as one, is its potential root. Um... Sorry, I knew I was going to lose my chain of thought. Right, so okay, I got it back. Um, So he is for life and he thinks that true virtue and truth and value is to be for life. He feels that a lot of the spiritualities and religions that are out there specifically um, are anti-life because they see nature as a punishment. So um, the struggle to survive, uh, you know, uh, natural disasters, toiling of the earth, uh, disease, aging, sickness. Um, If the perspective is that all of these are a curse because of original sin or they're, you know, they're unsatisfactory, that's when you know um, nirvana or moksha or heaven or all of these other other otherworldly kind of solutions fit in that will be acceptable heaven will be uh, lovely and acceptable because it won't have aging or death or sickness Uh, you won't have to battle with nature so it's for an afterlife It's against life, and Nietzsche does not like that. Um, And is there a second thing? So it just brings to mind something that Schopenhauer said. He said that um, basically that life sucks, but even if we changed and curated life to what human beings think they would want to have... so if we could imagine a heaven that human beings would, would enjoy. He's so pessimistic. He said that human beings would find still find a way to be unhappy. So, <laughs> so Schopenhauer is definitely his own version of pessimism and nihilism that Nietzsche is not really. So let's go. And if that's all you needed, um, you don't know, have to watch the rest of the video, I guess. But now I'm going to get into the text. So if you are interested in... Um, Seeing if I know what I'm talking about. Uh, please stick. I'll try not to make this too long. Uh, this section about nihilism. So you can see nihilism one. At first he has uh, kind of an outline. It is about, I think it's about 50, no. 70. 80. It's about... Just want to know exactly. 82 pages. (laughs) Okay. All right. Nihilism stands at the door. Whence comes this uncanny, uncanniest of all guests? Point of departure. It is an error to consider, I would say, assume, social distress or physiological uh, degeneration or worse corruption as the cause of nihilism. Ours is the most decent and compassionate age. Distress, whether of the soul, body, or intellect, cannot of itself give birth to nihilism. Such distress always permits a variety of interpretations. Rather, it is in one particular interpretation, the Christian moral one, that nihilism is rooted. So... He doesn't think super well of Christianity, although he does, it seem, and I'm not finished with that that section, but he does seem to kind of redeem Jesus to a certain extent, and early Christianity, the intention of Christianity, Um, but he's certainly not in favor of what Christianity has become. The end of Christianity at the hands of its own morality, which turns against the Christian God. Let's see. Oh, and then there's a parenthetical. I'll just read it. The sense of truthfulness developed highly by Christianity is nauseated by the falseness and mendaciousness of all Christian interpretations of the world and of history rebound from god is truth to the fanatical faith all is false buddhism of action he does talk a little bit about buddhism here can um comparing it to christianity skepticism regarding morality is what is decisive the end of the moral interpretation of the world which no longer has any sanction after it has tried to escape into some beyond leads to nihilism so, this is, so basically, Christianity can lead to nihilism. It's, first of all, nihilistic in a sense, I guess we could say, with nature itself and the real world, or at least it's pessimistic. Um, maybe it's not. I shouldn't say that. This is why I was hesitating. Um, Maybe Christianity isn't, in Nietzsche's view, is not nihilistic because it does ascribe meaning. It's just kind of like a negative meaning to the earth. But somehow, but somehow it leads to nihilism. Um, Maybe because there's a limit, perhaps, to how much faith and hope you can put in A life that is not present. It's in the far future. It's after you die um, or after you finish your series of reincarnations, depending on your spiritual faith or religious faith. Um, It's so far, perhaps, in the future that maybe it leads to a certain kind of giving up. I don't know. Everything lacks meaning, the untenability of one interpretation of the world, upon which a tremendous amount of energy has been lavished, awakens the suspicion that all interpretations of the world are false. Buddhistic tendency yearning for nothing, Indian Buddhism is not the culmination of a thoroughly moralistic development, its nihilism is therefore full of morality that is not overcome existence as punishment this is what he critiques existence construed as error error thus as a punishment a moral valuation so you're putting morality on top of your interpretation of the world which is unsatisfactory and Nietzsche feels that where will that get us philosophical attempts to overcome the moral god Hegel pantheism overcoming popular ideals, the sage, the saint, the poet, the antagonism of true and beautiful and good, and he puts those three in quotation, scare quotes, against, and so this is number four uh, in his toward and outline, which are just not complete sentences, as you may have gathered, against meaninglessness on the one hand, against moral value judgments on the other. To what extent has all science and philosophy so far been influenced by moral judgments? And won't this net us the hostility of science or an anti-scientific mentality? Critique of Spinozaism, residues of Christian value judgments are found everywhere in socialistic and positivistic systems. He feels that socialism, just like Christianity, favors the weak, and the sickly, and the poor, all of which he doesn't think we should necessarily um, put up on a pedestal. And in this way, I feel like Ayn Rand would really like him, (laughs) because Ayn Rand, her main sort of community that she wants to protect are the strong and the geniuses of the world and the people who are, you know, warrior-like and fighting their way to the top. Like she, she thinks that, or she's worried that, Ayn Rand is, that the world's mediocre masses are stifling the motivation and the passion of people who actually do something in the world. So I feel as if Ayn Rand and Nietzsche would like each other a critique of christian morality is still lacking so he wants to do that and there's there's eight points in this outline and if it really is an outline then well of this one book about nihilism then it can help us understand because we don't have time to read 82 pages on this vid- in this video The nihilistic consequences of contemporary natural science together with its attempts to escape into some beyond. So his idea, this is mainly from the gay science, his idea about science is that we should protect it as something, as a discipline that investigates nature, not mythologically or religiously or nihilistically um, so we should we should protect and uphold science but a cheerful science basically a Nietzschean science um, so transforming science into something that is anti-scientific or having an anti-scientific attitude is what Nietzsche would critique The industry of its pursuit eventually leads to self-disintegration, opposition, and anti-scientific mentality. Since Copernicus, man has been rolling from the center toward X. The nihilistic consequences of the ways of thinking in politics and economics. So basically, uh, no area of life is, uh, you know, um, what is that word? Like when you're, why is my brain just like breaking down? Off limits. Off limits is what I was What did I say? Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, where all principles are practically histrionic. Uh, it's a little jabs it. I'm going to interpret that as the ladies are, are interesting in here. The air of mediocrity. Doesn't look like that. Wretchedness, dishonesty, etc. And he has an interesting uh thing uh or perspective on honesty and lies as well he calls christianity the holy lie and uh but he doesn't align with even though he so he uses that rhetoric in the common term he also critiques it by by asking questions and challenging um the virtue of honesty Because he kind of wants to just overturn various virtues. And I think that discussion is in the genealogy of morals. Nationalism, anarchism, etc. Punishment. The redeeming class and human being are lacking the justifiers. Number seven, the nihilistic consequences of historiography and of the practical historians, i.e. the romantic, the position of art, its position in the modern world, absolutely lacking in originality, its decline into gloom, Goethe's allegedly Olympian stance. Number eight, this is the last one, art and the preparation of nihilism, romanticism, uh, the conclusion of Wagner's Nibelungen. That's just one of his works. Um, Okay, so that's basically what he covers. You can see the areas that he covers to talk about those relationships of nihilism. And again, just remembering that there's an active nihilism, there's a passive nihilism, there's an overarching nihilism, there's also a selective one, and then there's one that endures or one is temporary using it strategically. So um, I'm just gonna go over a couple of, just maybe like the first three to see if it gives us a little bit more insight. Okay, so this is from Springfall 1887. What does nihilism mean? That the highest values devalue themselves. themselves. The aim is lacking. Why finds no answer number three this is another entry radical nihilism is the conviction of an absolute untenability of existence when it comes to the highest values one recognizes plus the realization that we lack the least right to posit a beyond or an in itself of things that might be divine or morality incarnate so i guess that's why so christianity and various religions definitely wouldn't be Um, radical nihilists because they do find meaning in sort of an otherworldly, other realm, other dimension, parallel universe kind of a possibility. This realization is a consequence of the cultivation of truthfulness, thus itself a consequence of the faith in morality. Number four, What were the advantages of the Christian moral hypothesis? It granted man an absolute value as opposed to his smallness and accidental occurrence in the flux of becoming and passing away. So he would see it as a coping mechanism for people when he would rather like, you know, thus spake Zarathustra, he would like us to overcome sort of the fear of suffering and the fear of fear to triumph over our circumstances and reality and to also admire nature for being so strong and triumphant as well. It served the advocates of God insofar as it conceded to the world in spite of suffering and evil, the character of perfection including freedom Evil appeared full of meaning. It posited that man had a knowledge of absolute values and thus adequate knowledge precisely regarding what is most important. It prevented man from despising himself as man, from taking sides against life, from despairing of knowledge, it was a means of preservation. In sum, morality was the great antidote against practical and theoretical nihilism. So I think that's where I'm going to stop but you can kind of see how he uh, does in fact have he complicates the idea of nihilism by having these different categories I mean already here he's talking about radical nihilism he mentions practical nihilism he mentions theoretical nihilism later on he talks about pessimism as a preliminary form of nihilism and uh we can't necessarily say, I would be hesitant, I would suggest we should all be hesitant in saying that, in talking about Nietzsche's ideas and attitudes toward con- towards concepts without having nuance and without understanding his nuance. Because if you read him without a critical lens, you could read contradictions in his works, for instance... Using honesty and lying in a traditional way, but then, you know, saying in another sentence that, you know, maybe we should. Okay, so saying in one breath that Christianity is dishonest and saying in another breath we should love, you know, or we should, why don't we uphold dishonesty and lies, you have to understand the different ways he's looking at dishonesty and honesty in those sentences so um so yeah so short video this time we can go into more of it next time if people are interested but i just wanted to expand on the youtube shorts that i created or actually those were about religion I haven't done that. I haven't done the shorts, um, but maybe I will also do shorts. Okay, scratch that. I don't know what I've created. I have lots of things in my mind. Um, ah, okay. I wanted to expand on the community post that and the poll because um, I asked all of you whether what you thought Nietzsche's relationship to Nietzsche was okay so that's what I was expanding on no I didn't make a short on it Um, so uh, yeah so thanks let me know in your comments below um, if you've read more of this and have some ideas or put in the comments interesting uh, lines that he has about nihilism and maybe we can start a collection of them. All right. Thanks everyone. I'm going to get some lunch and I hope that you are all having a good winter break if you are also still on winter break. Thanks.